God bless you. Thank you. you. May be seated this morning. This morning, our children are uh, free to be dismissed to Children's Church. Uh, Brother Micah's back there to usher them back. Um, bye, kids. We love y'all. All right, as we are here this morning, let's think about this song we just sang. Our God is the Lion, Judah. But he's a lamb-like lion. All right? He's a lion that whenever you turn and you see him, he's not acting like a, a roaring, ravenous lion. Unlike the lion who is a predator, he acts like a lamb that is prey. Unlike a lion who attacks, tears apart, and destroys, he's a lamb that offers his life for the sins of the world. Let us uh, thank him for this. Lord God, I love you. And I thank you for who you are. I do thank you that your son did not come to tear us apart. To destroy us. But in offering his own life. Gave us the offer of new life new hope, new vitality, new direction. Lord, I pray and I ask that you'd be with us today as we look to your word and to this life that we have received from your son. It's a life that we've not only received from him, but it's a life that you give us, Lord. It's life in your spirit. God, I pray and I ask that today you would give me the words that I need to speak. I pray that I'll speak that which is necessary and that I will not speak anything more. I pray, Lord, that my brothers and my sisters and I, who know you, who love you, who trust your son, who strive to follow him, who are alive by your spirit. I pray that we will be equipped, encouraged, and strengthened in our faith for this life that we live. I pray that anybody who's here who does not have a familial relationship with you. They do not call out to you, my father. Today would be the day, Lord, that they would receive new life from you. God, I pray and I ask 
that not only would you equip us and speak to us in this moment, but I pray that you would prepare us for the week ahead of us. None of us knows what tomorrow brings. We have hopes. We have aspirations. We have some uh, uh, reasonable, logical understanding about what tomorrow is going to look like, but we really don't know. Tomorrow we might be met with the greatest joy of our life and the greatest sorrows. The greatest victories and the greatest defeats. But you know. So we look to you, Lord, to prepare us. So that no matter what happens tomorrow, we, as your children, will look like, will look and act like you, our Father, as we take notes from our big brother, Jesus, and as we live by the power, the authority of your spirit. I pray these things in the mighty, resurrected name of Jesus. And everybody said with me, amen. amen. We have been talking over the last several weeks about uh, Jesus' Father and how that we can only, uh, and once we get to the New Testament, the way that we, that we know God is through Jesus. Uh, God is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says it in almost in every one of his letters, Blessed be the God, either and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, or blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He wants us to know uh, who this God is that we are blessing, who it is that we are lifting up praise and adoration to. And, uh, and so that's the uh, first thought that we've had is, is, is that, hey, we only know God uh, through the person and work of Christ. Or let's say it best, we know God best. We know him most fully. He's been most fully revealed in uh, the man Christ Jesus. And so uh, we've been talking about how uh, what we know about God. And, and, and the simple truth is this, is, is, is God wants everybody to be his children. And through Jesus, he's made it possible for us to be uh, his children. First uh, John uh, tells us uh, Verse number 11, Jesus came unto his own. I said First John, the gospel of John, chapter number 1, tells us, Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not, but as many received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And verse 13 says, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He came unto his own. They did not receive him. But to those who did receive him, gave he the power to become the sons of God, the children of God. First of all, let me think about this for a second. That word power there uh, does not mean ability. That word power is ekousia, a Greek word, which talks about authority, privilege, the right. Jesus, whenever he talked to his disciples at the end of Matthew's gospel, he says, all authority 
has been given unto me. And by my authority, I'm granting you some authority to be witnesses of me, to make disciples of me. And here, in John's gospel, it says that he authorizes us. All those who receive Jesus are authorized to be the children of God. And then he says how that happens. He says they're born, not of flesh, nor of the will of man. Or let me get that right, because I... They were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And in John chapter 3, we find these words. Jesus talking to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus says, hey, we know that you are uh, a teacher from God. For no one could do the miracles you do except God be with him. And Jesus says, verse number three, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus asked, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind blows where it lists, where it wants, and, the, and you hear the sounds of it, but you cannot tell where it came from or where, where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. So Jesus, what we want to talk about a little bit today is Jesus not only tells us, and the gospel not only tells us that God wants everybody to be there, his son, his daughter, his children. And that Jesus is the way through which people are granted the authorization, the legitimization, the right, the privilege, the honor to be the sons of God, children of God. But today we want to talk about how we are born of the Spirit. How we are born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus' next question, I think, is a brand new question according to the information that Jesus had just given him. See, G Nicodemus came in and he came in offering Jesus some praise. Now, some of y'all might think that this is a little weird that Jesus just cuts him off, right? Jesus doesn't accept the words that Nicodemus has to bring to him. Nicodemus comes to him uh, in the cover of darkness, and he's giving him some affirmation. Hey, we know, we know something good about you. And Jesus doesn't receive it. Jesus doesn't get puffed up by it. He's not reading his own headline, uh, uh, his own, his own headlines in the, in the newspaper press and going, man, I'm, I'm good enough. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting the job done. Jesus cuts him off, as it were. And Jesus says, Nicodemus... <laughs> You're coming in here giving me some affirmation, but let me just tell you, you're not going to get very far unless you are born again. 
See, right before this, in John chapter number 2, it tells us that a lot of people, Jesus had been in Jerusalem, and a lot of people had trusted in Jesus. But it says Jesus would not entrust himself to them because he knew what was in man's heart. And this is a theme that goes throughout the whole gospel of John, is there's people who want to trust. They, they, they like a lot of things about Jesus. A lot of people in his day, they liked a lot of things about Jesus. But, 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 but the one thing that most of them couldn't get to was who he truly was, the Son of God. They thought, hey, man, you, you, you're like Moses. You're like one of the prophets. You must have been sent by God. You're doing some great works. We get that. And Jesus says, it's not about me being a good teacher from God. That's not what I'm doing. In John chapter number 10, he says, listen, every work that I do is to reveal to y'all that I am one with the Father. And people couldn't square that. They couldn't get their heads and their hearts wrapped around that. There's a lot of reasons for this. If I showed up today, practically, if I showed up today and I said, hey, everybody, I know y'all seen me for a long time. And y'all probably thought pretty good things about me. But today I'm here to tell you, I'm not just Macaulay, the son of Rick and Faith Austin. In fact, my mom has a story for y'all about whenever she conceived me. My father was not around. Logically, practically, it doesn't square. But theologically, it didn't square either. See, theologically, the God that they trusted in was hidden behind a veil in the most holy place. And the only way that you could approach that God who they believe to be the one true God, was after you had purified yourself physically, and after you had purified yourself spiritually. And then, even me as a common person, or you as a common person, we couldn't enter into the most holy place. Only one person could do that, and that was the high priest, and that wasn't even a guaranteed operation. He had to have bells on the bottom of his, of his robe, so if he went in there and he fell down dead because he was not rightly purified and consecrated before he went into the most holy place, he couldn't stand, he couldn't live before holy God. And now you're come to tell me that holy God has forsaken all of that, put on flesh and blood, and he's not hanging out in the temple courtyard. He's hanging out in the back village with the marginalized and the oppressed, with the sinners, with the diseased folk. The people who can't go to the temple, he's going to them. Theologically, it didn't square. You're, you're breaking every, you're violating every rule that we know about our God.
This is one of the reasons why we have to understand that Jesus comes to us and he is the fullest revelation of God. And what we mean by that is that when Jesus comes and, 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 and he forsakes his place in glory and he doesn't, he doesn't say, hey, listen, it's my right to be king and I'm going to hold on to my right whenever he gives up his rights and he comes and he lives as a human being in flesh and blood. And he walks the dusty roads, and, 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 and he, first and foremost, he's lied. Whenever he is born, he's laid down in a feeding trough. The king of glory submits himself to the slobber of animals. Why aren't we singing that song on Sunday mornings, right? But is that not the truth? He's defiled himself in their eyes, ritually. It violates all of their sensibilities. And if you and I are really honest with ourselves, it violates your sensibility and my sensibility about God as well. We have to be taught the other way. Nicodemus then asks this question. How can this be? He's not asking the same question again. He's asking a new question. How can one be born of the Spirit? John's text goes on to describe in image what we know would happen to Jesus later. The Spirit can only come for this new birth if the sun is lifted up. Just like Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness all those years ago. Which you might not know that story, but Nicodemus did. And if you want to learn that story, we'll tell it another time. This lifting up is a theme that runs throughout John's gospel as well. And Jesus clarifies it even in John chapter number 12, where he talks about this lifting up being him offering himself as a sacrificial lamb for the sins of the world. This spirit that animates us and makes us alive, not as we once were, but now as children of God, could only come, this, this new birth could only come through the death of Jesus. Through him laying down his life, he would give us new life. You know, we don't know if Nicodemus ever got it. 
Later on in John's gospel, Nicodemus seems to be um, kind of cowardly, and, uh, and, and he, he still has all of his Pharisee friends. Uh, John makes a parenthetical note, uh, I believe in chapter 12 even as well, where he says, hey, a lot of Pharisees actually did trust in Jesus, but nobody wanted to say it openly because they were all too scared of getting kicked out of the synagogue. So we don't know if Nicodemus was one of those ones who actually trusted in Jesus or if he was just sympathetic to him. But there's a couple times where Nicodemus seems to be like, hey, guys, let's just let's take it down a notch with this Jesus fellow. Right. But what Jesus instructs on that day, on that night is that those who are born of God are born again, are newly born of the Spirit. Well, John wrote this in his gospel. Later on, John would write, he would write in a letter. He would write in a letter in 1 John to a troubled church. We don't know all the situation that was going on, why John wrote this letter, but we should understand that there were some problems. You should understand that the reason why we have most of our New Testament letters is because there were problems. A lot of people think, man, in the first century, the church had it all figured out. Nope, from day one, the church had problems. Some people are looking for perfect churches and they don't understand, hey, why is there not a perfect church? Well, there's a lot to it, but the number one reason is because of you and me. Because although I am filled with the Spirit of God, and I've been born again by the Spirit of God, as Jesus said in John chapter number 14, he said the Spirit would have to lead you, teach you, instruct you, and guide you unto all truth. You and I aren't there yet. We haven't been fully led, discipled as it were, shaped, formed into the image of Jesus. And so, uh, so if you're looking around and you're saying, why does the church have a problem? Don't look any further than the mirror. And for some of you, I mean that more than others, okay? I'm just joking. But John is writing to a troubled congregation. And what we can tease out from this congregation is this. Some people have left. They were part of the assembly, and now they're not part of the assembly. And they left not because of the color of the carpet. Now, if you've ever left a church because of the color of the carpet, I hope you've changed your ways. They left for theological reasons. What we can tease out from the text is they had stopped believing that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. They stopped believing in Jesus' full divinity, his authority. Now, we, there's a lot of scholarly debate about what they went on to believe. But another thing that they stopped doing is they stopped loving brothers and sisters in Christ. They stopped looking like Jesus in love. 
When you read 1 John, John is writing to a troubled congregation who has been fractured. People that they knew, that they loved, have left them, and they're not being very nice about it. And the congregation is, is, is kind of trying to figure out, this fledgling body of believers is trying to figure out, okay, quick, where do we stand now? And John writes to affirm them in their faith. Hey, I write to you fathers. I write to you young men. I, I write to you that you've already believed the truth from the very beginning. Like, don't turn back from what you believe from the very beginning. And what you believe from the very beginning was this, that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. First thing that he says. Another part of the message you can find, and that's in chapter 1, verse number uh, 5, I believe. Yes. And then the second thing is in uh, John 3, verse 11. The other message that you heard from the beginning is that we should love one another. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. And how has God been revealed to us? Through his son, Jesus. And guess what? The other thing that you've been told from the very beginning is that you should love one another. And then, in chapter number four, John addresses them. Well, at the end of chapter number three, he says, uh, everyone that keeps his commandments dwelleth in him. He's already established that the commandment is love. And he in him, and hereby we know that he abides in us, the spirit which he hath given us. So whenever I was thinking about this today, there's something to celebrate the truth that you and I have been born again of God. But it's another thing entirely to know, how do you know? How do you know? See, there's people who sit there and say, well, if you have, then... then, then you know, you will have gotten baptized. You will, you know, maybe even started changing some ways that you dress. You'll make sure that you're at church every time the doors are open. All right, have y'all heard that? Some people said if you had long hair, you would cut it off to be short hair. All right? Uh, some people say that the way that you know is because you're going to start speaking in tongues. They'll say, that's how you know that you have the Spirit. It's interesting that they say that because Paul says not everybody actually gets the gift of the tongues in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And, and in fact, um, I'm, I'm not against any signs or miracles being performed. The Spirit is free to do as the Spirit wills and wants. I actually have told you this. I don't believe we can look at it and make a biblical argument and say, well, that doesn't happen anymore. But I also know this. That the preponderance of evidence about what it looks like to be ruled and controlled, governed under the authority of the Spirit, to have new life in the Spirit. 
the preponderance of evidence in the New Testament does not look to whether or not one does certain rituals, whether or not one speaks in tongues. The preponderance of evidence is whether one knows Jesus Christ as Lord and trusts their life to follow him and one loves like Christ loves. Paul spells that out various ways. John, in his epistle here, he is going to remind the, the church, hey, how do you know that you have the Spirit, that you are in the Spirit? In chapter 4, he says, Do not believe every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Why is this? Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Earlier on in the text, he would call them antichrist. Here he calls them false prophets. He's using two different types of images to say they are not of God. He says there are many uh, false prophets gone out into this world. Hereby, here's how we know that the Spirit of God is every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And it is that spirit of the Antichrist. Where have you heard that it should come? But guess what? It's already now in this world. How do we know the spirits? First and foremost, this is a simple litmus test. And this is what we can't take for granted. You are a son and daughter of God. If you rightly know and trust, and trust your lives to, Jesus. That's it, right? Now, I don't want to say that's it because I do think we need to understand that's some heavy stuff right there. That's heavy lifting. But theologically, that's what it takes. First and foremost, is Jesus the Son of God? The lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Is he the one to whom God has given all authority? Is he the one through whom you and I can receive life? You would not know this to be true without the spirit of God. Do you get that? Without the Spirit of God, you and I could not affirm this from the depths of our being. And I think you and I forget this sometimes because I grew up with it from five years old, or from, from, from a young age, at five years old, I made a profession of faith. And because I've grown up with it, and it's so familiar in my home and in our lives, I forget what a work of the Spirit this is. Let us not forget what a work of the Spirit this is. Let me affirm this. All you who have been teaching your children and your children's children, you're doing the work of the Spirit. You know, Jesus says in John uh, chapter number 6, he says, I'm bringing to you the Spirit and my words are Spirit. 
and life. This teaching that we've had from the very beginning, it's a move of the Holy Spirit. And every time somebody calls out, confessing that Jesus is Lord, guess what happened? The Holy Spirit just made a new life in Christ. Maybe I think that's more than what it is. I hope not. And then he says this. He says, you know the Spirit because what the Spirit testifies. Jesus tells us in John, the Spirit would testify of him, and then it would give us the ability to testify of him. That's in John 15, verses 26 and 27. John says, hey, you know the Spirit because it testifies of Jesus. Any spirit that doesn't testify rightly about Jesus is not the right spirit. Now then, the last thing that John says is this. Out of all this, verse 7, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that, hath love, that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Verse 13 says, hereby. What's hereby? Love. All this that I've been saying about love. How we love one another is how we know that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. The second litmus test that John has is how do we love other people? If God so loved us that he gave of his only begotten son and if Jesus so loved us that he gave of himself. And if God so loved us that whenever his son was glorified, he gave us his spirit. Then how do you and I love one another? And John says, if our love looks like Jesus' love, we didn't get that by ourselves. We only love like that because we were first loved that way. Love begets love. Now then, my brothers and my sisters, on one end, I want us to take some hope and some encouragement in this. On the other end, I want us to actually take it as a test. Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not. but he still loved them. So this week, I have, a, I have a hankering suspicion that somebody's not going to receive something that you do very well. Spouses don't always receive what another spouse does well. 
You know who doesn't? You, you, my prime offenders in my house are my children. My children never receive what I do very well. It's never enough. I mean, I, 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 I hear my children sometimes and I like read the, uh, the story of the Exodus and I'm like, same. <laughs> Just same. Like they are so, that was such a great, I'm glad that joke landed. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but it's really, it's just, they're the same. And I'm not much different. Somebody is not going to receive you very well this week. And you're going to have an opportunity. And you're going to have a choice. And you're going to say of that person, well, I'm done with them. Or you're going to say of that person, I need to know, I need to learn how to love them. Because I can tell you, in my flesh, there's no love for them. But in the spirit, there is love for them. There's patience for them. There's kindness towards them. And let me just say this. For those of you who might want us to be preparing for war and end of days, all that might be coming. It could be coming at any imminent moment. But what I found is that sometimes we prepare for those things and we think that we're all armed for those and then somebody simply doesn't receive us. Receive an act of love. Receive our humor. Uh, somebody uh, doesn't, doesn't acknowledge us whenever we let them go in front of us at the grocery store. And in those little moments, those minute moments, you and I lose our love. And what I always want us to think is, let's think about those moments, those little moments. And if we can stack up enough of those little moments, those will prepare us for the big moments. But what I've seen, and what I've seen of Christ's church at large, is that we really didn't think about those little moments. We were all worried about those big moments. And then guess what? Over the last few years, we've had some really big moments for us to prove our love towards one another, and towards those who are not like us. And we have failed big time at large. Maybe you didn't. But the testimonies abound. I saw, somebody, I saw a picture of a guy carrying a cross in front of a huge demonstration of anti-vaxxers. And I don't care where you, where you stand on anti-vaccination or vaccination. I really don't. I will love you regardless. But the cross does not belong there. I've also seen people heralding the name of Jesus while they're burning down institutions. The cross doesn't belong there either. And here's the thing, I know both sets of groups would say, I'm doing this out of love. 
The thing is, is what we said earlier, is Jesus is not the lion who sometimes acts like the lamb. Jesus is the lion who always acts like the lamb. And real love, real love, never takes from somebody. Real love is always giving of yourself to somebody. And that's the love that we have demonstrated in Christ. So you and I will have a bunch of moments this week to test whether or not we really love like Christ. And my hope and my prayer is is that when we regather next week, you can come in and you can have some affirmation that you are born of the Spirit. Fresh affirmation. And guess what? If you fail at it this week, the beautiful thing about being the children of God is that we acknowledge that we sin. We confess our sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Uh, With that, my brothers and my sisters, I hope this week we can go from this place knowing that Jesus, that Jesus is Lord and that in him is life and that the life in him is love. And with that I say amen. I ask Brother Mitch and the praise team to come. We'll do as we've done over the last few weeks. We'll give y'all just some time. I'm going to pray over us, and then I'm going to give y'all time to pray yourselves. Uh, If you need somebody to pray with, I will be here. Um, You can come grab me. I mean, I can pray with you or somebody else can pray with you. Maybe you have a question about what it means to trust Christ and follow him and uh, faith, and, um, and, uh, and, and you would come at this time. You would be more than welcome. If you do have that question, I would invite you uh, not only at this time, but even before you leave, you can just grab me by the arm. Or another one who you see as a trusted brother or sister in Christ, uh, that you could ask some of those uh, big questions about. Um, let's spend this time praying. Reflecting, meditating over what the Lord has spoken to you, what he wants of you, what he's asking of you. And then um, uh, when you're ready, you can join in the song. Uh, But join me right now in a word of prayer. Lord, I love you and I thank you for who you are. You're a good God. And Lord, I pray and I ask that you would be with us. I pray that you would help us and strengthen us by your spirit. To never lose hope, faith, trust in Jesus and in the way of Jesus and the love of Jesus, which is your love too, Lord. God, I pray and I ask that you just please receive the prayers of my brothers and my sisters. Lord, I pray that, uh, I pray that as we go from this place, we would be equipped to above all else, love. I pray these things in Christ's mighty resurrected name. Amen.